five, four, three, two, one. What's good, people? Welcome to episode 48 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast, where, of course, we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this is your first episode, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. Go ahead and give me a follow on all socials, especially Twitter, where you can reach out to me and interact with me, give me topics, questions, concerns, anything you'd like to hear me talk about on the show. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. Now, for today's show, we are going to be looking at who's returning to the League, who's stepping away from the Overwatch League, some potential legal trouble for the League, and, of course, we will do our pickums for this weekend's upcoming matches. So, without any further delay... Let's dive on in. Playtime's over. All right, so we're going to kick this week off with not quite diving into the news, but we are instead going to head over to dotesports.com for some required reading. Now, this article, if you are familiar with the news that has happened uh, breaking out of the Overwatch League and Overwatch this past week, you might think you know what article I'm about to recommend as required reading. However, You'd probably be wrong. This article is, of course, written by everyone's favorite Liz Richardson, was posted on July 5th, and it reads, Why the Vancouver Titans breadsticks are one of the best Overwatch League storylines. Now, I'm not going to read this whole article, because that's the point of required reading, is to direct you to go read this article. Um, You know, go give the author and the website the clicks. But I will read the uh, short intro paragraph here. So you have an idea what you're in for and what this article is all about. So, it reads like this. By this point in the Overwatch League season, every team has discovered its social media niche. The Dallas Fuel account is now moonlighting as a motivational support counselor. The Hangzhou Spark shares its anime-flavored artwork, and the Shanghai Dragons barely have time to post anything that isn't Fleta highlight reels. The Vancouver Titans? They have breadsticks. What started as an innocent partnership with Pizza Hut Canada has, accidentally, turned into one of the most riveting storylines of the 2021 Overwatch League season. So, I pulled this article because if you're not familiar, uh, the Vancouver Titans have a current ongoing partnership, as Liz just mentioned, with Pizza Hut Canada for some free breadsticks. Uh, You know, without spoiling too much, uh, the Vancouver Titans have to earn these free breadsticks for us, and so far they have been struggling, and they have not come through. Uh, They don't necessarily have to win a match to get these breadsticks, but they do have to do some pretty specific things. So if you aren't aware of the meme, or if maybe you've heard the casters mention breadsticks and you're getting all confused, um, or even, you know, you've just kind of, you've seen things about it, but you aren't sure where it started and how it came to be, uh, go check out this article. Once again, it's on dottiesports.com. It is uh, by Liz Richardson. And I will, of course, link to this article in the description of the show. So go check that out. It's a fun read and an important one because it's not very often we talk uh, extremely positively about the Vancouver Titans. Now, without further ado, let's get on to the news. Our first story is going to take us, well, actually, it's going to keep us with .esports.com and it's going to keep us with Liz Richardson. This time posted on June 30th, an article that reads, New York Excelsior adds off-tank Kalios. 
One talented blast from the past will be joining the New York Excelsior for the second half of the Overwatch League season. Off-tank Kalios, who played on the Boston Uprising during the league's inaugural season, is the NYXL's newest roster addition, the team announced today. As a part of the Boston Uprising in 2018, Kalios was known as a reliable off-tank and helped the team achieve an undefeated stage. After he was let go during the 2018 offseason, he returned to South Korea and joined Overwatch contenders teams like O2 Blast, who won a championship while Kalios sorry, was on the roster. He was most recently a part of WGS Phoenix and joined the NYXL from that organization. Kalios would, will join current NYXL off-tank Bianca and work alongside main tank Yakpung. As someone with a veteran presence in the Overwatch, in competitive Overwatch, Kalios may also be able to bring some stability to the team's many rookie players. Throughout the 2021 Overwatch League season, the Excelsior have relatively underperformed considering the talent on its roster. Things looked up during the last tournament cycle, when a surprising win over the Hangzhou Spark allowed the team to join the June Joust Grand Finals bracket. While the roster didn't make it beyond the quarterfinals, it was still a step in the right direction. The New York Excelsior's next game is against the Hangzhou Spark on July 9th at 4 a.m. CT. So, kind of interesting to see this one coming up. Um, very, very sort of in line with the trend we've seen recently, um, you know, with Dallas bringing in Pine, uh, it, it feels a little bit, a little bit weird almost, but we're starting to see some of these sort of, uh, I don't know if you want to call them old school, but more, more OG players coming back to the league. Um, I mean, even with some like ons returning, just people that had left and, uh, you know, you never really, I feel like thought you would see them come back. Uh, but we're starting to see a little bit of this. So kind of interesting there. And I mean, you know, if the players got it, if they can still play at that com high competitive level, if they've still got the skill and they've still got the uh, desire, then more power to them. So welcome Kalios back to the league, obviously. Now, our next article is going to keep us with Liz Richardson and DottieSports.com also on June 30th. But this time, we're going to look at the Florida Mayhem. And it reads like this. Florida Mayhem moves DPS checkmate to main tank role. The Florida Mayhem's rookie DPS checkmate is taking over main tank duties during the rest of the Overwatch League Summer Showdown Tournament Cycle qualifiers the team announced today. He'll be taking over the role from OG, who was previously the team's only main tank player. In a statement posted to social media, Florida Mayhem General Manager Albert Yeh noted the team's, quote, poor results and, quote, floundering since the May melee as the main reasons for the roster change. The team is on a five-game losing streak right now, and as we'll find out, that extends to seven after this weekend. So they've, they've then got the uh, tweet embedded there from the Florida Mayhem, which uh, is the statement by Albert. Uh, I'll just skip over that and read the rest of the article first. Checkmate has been, quote, grinding tanks on the ladder of Overwatch's competitive mode since the start of the season, and the team feels he can, quote, learn quickly, according to Yeah. Last weekend, Checkmate made his debut in the Overwatch League, but in a DPS role. The team's normal main tank, OG, has been a staple in the Overwatch League since its inception, playing for teams like the Dallas Fuel and the Los Angeles Gladiators. Despite his immense talent as a main tank in the past, he's been caught up in mental blocks that have affected his play. Checkmate will make his debut as a main tank against the Dallas Fuel on July 3rd at 3.30 p.m. CT. Now I'm just going to circle back and I'll read the actual statement from the Florida Mayhem Twitter, which they tweeted out an image. The tweet reads, a mid-season competitive update from Mayhem HQ. Please join us in wishing Checkmate good luck in his new role this weekend. And then the actual image reads, mid-season update, dear Mayhem fans. 
There's way too much talent on our roster to accept poor results. We've been floundering after a great run in the May Melee and needed to switch something up. After assembling all the options available to us, we made the decision to move Checkmate to main tank. Checkmate has been grinding tanks on the ladder since the start of the season, and we have a lot of confidence in him to learn quickly. We believe this move is the, right, is the direction we need to take the roster to get back on track. The team has been hard at work prepping this week, and we hope to finish our summer showdown qualifier, qualifiers strong. Checkmate has shown immense potential so far in main tank, and we hope you cheer for him in our matches this weekend. Signed, Albert Yeah GM. So, honestly... A pretty shocking move to see this kind of thing happen. Um, obviously, we've seen some rosters sort of playing with player roles this season already. Uh, the probably the most notable being the Florida, no, not the Florida Mayhem, sorry, the uh, San Francisco Shock, and uh, and how they've been moving Violet over from the support role over to the DPS role, having him play that uh, McCree, which was uh, an interesting experiment to say the least. Um, but you know, it's not entirely unheard of to hear this kind of thing. However, seeing Checkmate have his debut, and then I think almost in, in a lot of ways, uh, I don't want to say more importantly, but then seeing him take OG's spot in the main tank role was really surprising. I think uh, OG is well known as a, a very strong tank in the league, and certainly uh, I don't think anybody would have predicted that his results would look how they've been looking lately. Now, Liz does mention there um, that, you know, despite his immense talent as a main tank in the past, he's been caught up in mental blocks that have affected his play. And she actually has a link embedded there, which takes him to uh, McGravy about OG. Uh, so a, a video there uh, looks like a video by McGravy talking about OG. And it's just interesting because I think you know, uh, Florida obviously had a really strong start at the beginning of the season in the May Melee, made it to the uh, finals in, in Hawaii. Um, and we're looking, we're shaping up to be really good. And then I think in the June joust, uh, when they didn't perform so well, it was easy to kind of say, oh, it's hero pools. Oh, it's, you know, the new meta. Oh, this, that kind of thing. But now that we're entering the third tournament cycle of four, uh, you know, with the grand finals notwithstanding, um, I think it kind of becomes a question of, okay, they're continuing to lose. They don't seem to have this under control. What can they really do to change things? So, I mean, again, this roster looks on paper to be very good. You certainly don't move someone like BQB. You don't move someone like Yaki off of the DPS role because they are performing. Uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say at the top of their... Um, at the top of their game, but they are performing extremely well. You're not going to pull them off of uh, off those DPS roles. That's for certain. And then, of course, you look at their support lineup. They've got Slime, um, who, you know, often playing Lucio. They've got Gangnam Jin. So some really, really talented people here. Um, and, and again, people you're not going to move off their roles. You then, of course, also have Gargoyle on the off-tank position. But... I mean, off tank and main tank are just such, uh, are, are very, very much two different roles, you know? Even if someone like Gargoyle could play main tank, that doesn't mean OG can play off tank, right? So you don't really have an option to switch there. And I, I guess the alternative is they sign another player. But again, um, you know, I'm not a good person to answer this question, but what are you looking at right now at this point, you know, over halfway through the season? 
what kind of a roster pool are you looking at where you can really get someone that's going to, you know, uh, slot into the team quickly and uh, make a big enough impact, right? This way, they've got the guy on the roster already in Checkmate. Um, you know, from the sounds of it, he has been practicing the tank role, which is great. He already knows the team in a lot of ways, I'm sure. And again, in a lot of ways, he's probably not going to be taking the uh, the spot away from Yaki and BQB. Um, you know, he's, to use a term, he's going to be benchwarming somewhat often. Um, because Yaki and BQB, especially together, um, are definitely a force to be reckoned with, especially when they're at the top of their game. Again, team is not at the top of their game right now, but I digress. So kind of really interesting to see that this is the approach they took. And uh, I personally, honestly, I did not watch a ton of Overwatch this past weekend. Um, I am actually in the process of moving to another city. So uh, I did a lot of moving stuff. So that's been interesting. Um, but because of that, I didn't really get to watch a lot of Florida play. So really, I've just read about the matches um, and watch, listen to some podcasts, watch some videos and things like that. And from the sounds of it, um, Checkmate wasn't the greatest in his role sounds like maybe he was playing a little more boldly than he probably should have been um and really kind of pushing in in a lot of senses and and you know in a word feeding um i did hear okay things about certain heroes but i personally i mean i'll reserve my judgment until i can see a game myself and really see kind of those mistakes or the the good plays that he he may make so anyways i digress interesting stuff to see i personally am mostly sad to see that og is having these struggles and stepping away. I really like OG as a main tank. Um, and I really like his, I kind of like his style, which is kind of funny because he's he's very uh, similar in style, I think, to someone like a bumper, who of course used to be on the Vancouver Titans roster. Um, he likes to charge in, he likes to rush in, uh, especially with those dive comps on Winston. He loves to dive in and take a, take a fight to the team kind of thing. And if your support isn't there to back you up with that, um, or your DPS aren't getting the picks or laying out the damage consistently enough, then that is really tough. So uh, really tough to play around. So I digress. We'll see what happens with Checkmate. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, again, like I said, what I didn't hear entirely negative stuff. There was some negative stuff, but ultimately I hope that, you know, maybe given a little more practice, a little more time with the team playing around him on main tank, hopefully Florida will start to see some further success. Now, our next story is going to take us over to ESTNN.com with an article by Ophelia Castellot, which reads, Overwatch League, Elsa from Chengdu Hunters retires. Elsa, one of the core members of the Chengdu Hunters, is retiring from the Overwatch League. Ever since the team's creation in 2018, the Chengdu Hunters counted on three tanks, Ameng, Elsa, Late Young. Oh, and Late Young, my bad. Elsa is now leaving the team to take a break from professional Overwatch. Chengdu Hunters now have two main tanks, Ameng and Gaga, for only one off tank. Ooh, oh my gosh, this article is a little bit uh, broken English. Late Young will most likely replace Elsa in the roster, despite rumors of him leaving the team. According to Aaron Halo Spack, Spake, Late Young already signed his release papers. Elsa announced his retirement as Late Young was leaving, so the player had to postpone his departure. The off-tank players are not the only ones considering leaving the team. Spake states that Ameng and DPS player Jinmu are also thinking about retiring from the Chengdu Hunters. Chengdu Vice Manager... Luke denied those rumors. <laughs> so far, there's no official information about another player leaving the team or a new off-tank player coming to the Chengdu Hunters. The team will face the Philadelphia Fusion on July 9th for the Overwatch League Summer Showdown. 
So again, as we always say, you know, we wish uh, Elsa all the best and everything as he retires from the Chengdu Hunters. A um, little bit of an interesting situation we see going on now with uh, respect to the Chengdu Hunters, though. I'm just going to pull up uh, the standings for the league right now. And over in the east, Chengdu currently sits in fourth. Now, what's interesting about that, of course, is that that's largely, I think, based on uh, based on their performance in the May Melee tournament. Um, what am I looking at? Oh, I'm looking at just the Summer Showdown qualifiers. Regular season, that's what I wanted. So Chengdu currently sits in fifth, and that is largely based on their performance in the May Melee. Um, obviously, they did very well. They went to the finals with Shanghai, I believe. And they currently sit at a five win, five loss record. So they're at a perfect, you know, 500. I mean, they have a plus three map. Um, but even still, they are right there in the middle of the pack and they've just been passed by the Hangzhou Spark. Um, so what's sort of interesting about that is I think they started off the season looking really, uh, really strong. Um, you know, I, I know people had some questions whether or not they would be able to keep that up. And it definitely seems like they weren't. And uh, I, I dare say that it's starting to take a toll on, on some of the team with, with players retiring and everything. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, overall, the eastern region is uh, kind of interesting at this point. Um, you know, given the record overall, simply, I feel like, does not reflect the dominance that Shanghai has. If you look purely at wins and losses, um, it does look a little more even with, you know, you've got three teams with seven or more wins and three or less losses. And then right outside of that, you know, another team with, with one less win, right? So they're sitting, uh, Hangzhou is sitting in fourth with six wins and four losses. So they're right outside that. But what is interesting is you look at the points that are placing these teams. And in last place, you've got zero, seventh, is three points sixth is four fifth is five fourth is sixth third is seventh and then even if you want to go to second it's nine so it only jumps by two but then the shanghai dragons are sitting at top with 13 so it's been an interesting season to say the least this far with it being pretty clear who the top team is um you know even with seoul sitting at nine and in second and then philly sitting in third with seven uh, that's much closer than the first to second gap. So it is really interesting because then we see Chengdu, who started off the season, like I say, seeming like they were going to be a force to be reckoned with, uh, sitting much lower than than maybe I feel like we would have expected given their performance in the May Melee. But, you know, I digress. Who knows what will happen with the team? Hopefully they can dig themselves out of that hole that they're in, maybe start getting some wins, maybe creep up into third place, but ultimately I don't see them uh, making it much higher than fourth um, where they almost are right now, but, you know, seems like Hangzhou is on the upswing. So, And for comparison, just for this very moment's uh, sake, if you look at the Western region, it is a similar story where first place we have Dallas with 12 points, but the difference is... After that, um, yes, second and third both have nine, but then we go seven, we go six, 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 five, five. So all of those teams from the fifth place position all the way down to 10th, which is where Florida is, are basically sitting at a very, very similar record in terms of points. 
if you look at their wins and losses, in fifth is Washington with six and four, whereas in tenth is Florida with four and eight. So the win-loss record is vastly different, but the points, again, are so close amongst so many of those teams. So anyways, that was a bit of a tangent, but uh, good luck, Elsa. Good luck, Chengdu Hunters. Moving on from there, next up, we're going to go back to DottieSports.com with an article, this time by Kale Michael. A quick one here, which reads, New Overwatch patch pushes suggested hitscan damage adjustments. Diva call mech changes live. The article reads, The next Overwatch patch is now live on all platforms, bringing the most recent round of experimental card adjustments that went up last week into the main game. This means that hitscan heroes are getting hit with that 20% damage nerf to maximum falloff range, and D.Va's call mech ability remains the biggest change to an individual hero. Soldier 76 and Bastion will also be getting the previously listed buffs, while Widowmaker's range rework has been added. All of these changes were tested on the experimental card, and it seems the developers liked them enough to push them live after a week of live trial. Here are the patch notes for the updates update that's now available for Overwatch. They then, of course, have the actual patch notes listed there, just like they did last week. I'm not going to go through them, but ultimately, like I said, a short article here to say those changes are now live. So, uh, you know, things should get a little bit closer, if you ask me. Moving on from there. Probably our most interesting article of the week, um, although I won't have a ton to say about it, mostly because I don't know uh, the legalities and things like that. I will read the whole article, but I will also recommend that you go check this one out as a sort of required reading B, um, because it is a very interesting one. And in my mind, you know, a lot of what I heard about it made a lot more sense once I read the article. So this one's going to take us over to dotesports.com this time on July 2nd with an article by Jacob Wolf and Liz Richardson, not something we see all the time. And it reads, U.S. Department of Justice opens antitrust inquiry into Overwatch League's soft salary cap, quote, competitive balance tax. The U.S. Department of Justice Antitrust Division is probing the Overwatch League over its soft salary cap policy that discourages teams from excess spending, sources familiar with that inquiry told Dot Esports. The probe is being headed by Department of Justice trial attorney Kathleen Simpson Kiernan, who works for the Civil Conduct Task Force Subdivision of the Antitrust Division in Washington. Kiernan and other Department of Justice attorneys have contacted and interviewed several former Overwatch League employees, according to sources. The nature of Kiernan's investigation is not criminal, sources said. A spokesperson for the Department of Justice declined to comment on June 6th. At the center of Kiernan's inquiry is the lack of a players' union, which would allow the Overwatch League to apply for a, quote, non-statutory labor exemption, end quote. That status has been granted to the NFL, NBA, and other pro sports leagues who have, who have labor unions. The exemption originates from a 1965 U.S. Supreme Court case, Amalgamated Meat Cutters versus Jewel Tea Company, which said, quote, union employer agreements, end quote, are outside the purview of the 1890 Sherman Act, the land peace mark of antitrust legislation. Kiernan's team has also contacted Activision Blizzard, the operator, operator of the Overwatch League. As a result, Activision Blizzard has communicated to team executives not to tamper with or destroy information regarding player salaries, a routine measure taken in cases of a government investigation. Quote, We have received an inquiry from the Department of Justice and are cooperating accordingly, end quote. An Activision Blizzard esports spokesperson told .esports.com in a statement. Quote, We deliver epic entertainment to our fans and support our players and teams in producing the most competitive and enjoyable esports leagues in the world, end quote. 
In 2020, the soft salary cap threshold equaled 1.6 million, according to league sources. If a team exceeded that amount in annual player salaries, the organization would then have to pay players' salaries as well as the excess amount to the league as a, as a luxury tax. This means every dollar above that 1.6 million limit would cost a team twice as much, impeding organizations from offering massive competitive salaries. That luxury tax would then be distributed among the non-offending teams. There are few teams that have ever naturally cleared this threshold based on standard market salaries for pro Overwatch League players, sources said. The, specifics, the specific details of the soft salary cap of the Overwatch League has never been disclosed to the public by league officials. An August 2019 Dexterto report included a memo that, contained, that mentions a, quote, competitive balance tax, and cited two now-deleted tweets from September 2018 by then-London Spitfire General Manager Susie Kim that confirmed the tax. The Department of Justice created the Civil Conduct Task Force Division to help other litigation groups, including its own central group in Washington, as well as other offices in New York, San Francisco, and Chicago, to, quote, identify and pursue conduct investigations that require additional focus and resources, end quote. Its creation comes among increased interest in American antitrust under current elected U.S. officials, such as Senator Amy Klobuchar and Representative David Silicine, both of whom lead their, their respective bodies' subcommittees on antitrust. In March, President Joe Biden nominated Lena Khan, a noted antitrust scholar, to be the new chairperson of the Federal Trade Commission. Members of Congress confirmed Khan in June. They then have a short update here, update June 6th, 5 p.m. CT. A spokesperson for the Department of Justice responded to a Dottie Sports request today, declining to comment on the existence of an investigation and the contents of this article. So obviously that's a bit of a, a bit of a mouthful and quite the read um, coming from Jacob Wolf and Liz Richardson. But honestly, some a little bit of really good insight that uh, I don't think we necessarily see a lot of the time when it comes to especially competitive esports, but the league, the Overwatch League in itself. Um, as she mentions there, there's there's a little bit of ambiguity um, because like things like the uh, the soft salary cap with that 1.6 million are coming from league sources. Um, so it's a little bit interesting that the league doesn't actually tell us that information or have that published anywhere and have these details well known. Now, of course, if they are being investigated in this sense, it means that there was some concern that, you know, that is unfair to players. Um, I would honestly be shocked if any team was reaching the uh, 1.6 million so uh, soft salary cap. The one team that, I mean, comes to mind, obviously is of course the San Francisco Shock. Um, I'm just gonna take a quick peek at their roster here and see how that kind of compares. Uh, let's check on Liquidpedia. So looking at their roster right now, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They have 10 players, 10 players on their roster. So if I do some quick math here, if I do that simple math of uh, 1.6 million, divided by 10 different players, that means each player is making 160,000. Obviously that is dividing everything equally, that is not taking into account any staff or anything else that may be included in that salary cap, uh, which I'm not I'm not sure if it is strictly um, uh, players only or not. But if I do that simple math, and it, it, I find it hard to believe that every single player on the San Francisco Shock would be making anything near that much. Now, 
you look at some of their top performers, people like Choi Obin, Smurf, Violet, um, you could probably include Super in that, given given that he's stuck with the team through so much and everything. Um, and then even, I mean, you look at someone like Twilight coming over from the Vancouver Titans, you know. These players certainly aren't going to be uh, low-paying or cheap salaries, but, I mean... I would be shocked if any of them were certainly above 160,000, but even even I feel like close to that 160,000. You know, I I don't truly really know too much about league salaries and things like that, but it just seems like that would be extremely high for for any of these players really. Um, so, anyways, interesting that. Uh, that they, they mentioned that cap because, like I say, I would be shocked if any teams were hitting that. Um, you know, San Francisco obviously can afford it because they are the most winning team in the league. But at the same time, why would they want to? Because then, obviously, they incur these penalties. Um, which, I mean, it's interesting that they, it, they refer to it as a competitive balance tax. Because in a lot of ways, it does strike me as... Yeah, it's trying to keep teams from spending egregiously, right? Because the second they hit, they go over that, they then owe more money that goes to the rest of the league. But the fact of the matter is, if a team can afford it, they just might do it and they might take advantage of it. Um, whereas another team who's not as doesn't have as winning a history may struggle to even get close to there because they simply don't have the uh, the cash flow to be able to get that high. Now, of course. This all stems from the comparison of the Overwatch League to traditional sports, which uh, Liz does touch on just briefly there, you know, saying there's a non-statutory labor exemption, which applies to most professional sports leagues like the NFL, the NBA, likely uh, Major League, the NHL, those guys. Um, but ultimately, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know uh, much of this stuff well, but it is interesting, and it will certainly be interesting to see what comes from this and see if any changes are required thereafter. So... Moving on from there, our next article comes from thegamehouse.com with an article by Robert Haynes on July 6th, and it reads, Summer Showdown Overwatch Skin Revealed, Heroris Ana. As was previously announced, Overwatch will be getting new skins with each Overwatch League tournament. The May Melee featured May as an MMA boxer. The June Joust had Angel of Death Widowmaker. Now people have been wondering who and what would be the Summer Showdown Overwatch skin. Well, it has been revealed as Heroris Ana, a new legendary for the Sniper Healer. The interesting part about this skin is that it has nothing to do with the Summer Showdown. Many thought that the skin might have something to do, or might have to do with something a bit more summer-oriented. The skin does have the feel of a goddess and Egyptian warrior theme. This is due to the fact that Heroris translates roughly to the Egyptian god Horus, which is why she has the bird theme. One can see from the legs to the taloned hands, and even on Anna's helmet, that she resembles a bird like Horus. Also, since Anna is from Egypt, this theme suits her well. Some of the Anna skins have been bird themes in the past, which might be problematic for some. Considering the dev team has mostly moved on to Overwatch 2, it is surprising that every skin they are doing lately looks incredible. Clearly, they are putting a lot of time into conceptualizing these skins and bringing them to Overwatch fans. And considering no other content is really coming out of the base game, it's nice to see the skins aren't getting thrown to the side. There's no doubt the Heroris Ana skin will definitely be a fan favorite going forward. Fans can get this skin from July 6th to 19th. So, uh, I was a little bit surprised to see the skin come up today. I wasn't actually really 
certain why it even came up at first. Um, and then obviously I just took a quick peek at uh, what was going on and everything. And that's when I realized that uh, this was, of course, the, the comparison skin to that MMA or the Angel of Death skin. Um, I do like this one. I probably will pick it up. I've picked up all the other ones uh, so far. I thought the MMA one was kind of the most clever, whereas these ones are just cool, um, especially the Sana one. I wasn't a big fan of the Widowmaker one, you will recall. Uh, but I digress. Go pick that up on the shop and get it for yourself. Now, with that, that brings us to the end of the news segment of the show. So, uh, we're going to move on over to the Owl Recap, where we will look at last week's matches. Um, yeah, that's all there is to say about it. Let's do it. Let's get on over there. Hurry up. What are you waiting for? Come on. Oh, uh, we have to get this thing moving again. All right, so here we are in the scores from this past week. So, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, I actually didn't watch a ton of Overwatch League this weekend. Uh, where most weekends I will quite literally, if I'm, if I'm at the house, I will have it on all weekend. I will catch the majority of games, maybe not paying the most attention to every moment, but I will try and catch almost every game. Now this past weekend I was quite busy, uh, Friday obviously working, Saturday I had a bachelor party that started earlier on in the day, Sunday I was out house hunting most of the day, made an offer on a house and all that fun stuff. So I did miss most of the games, but that said... Uh, this week, I may have been able to pop a few games on during the work week thus far, and so I did catch up a little bit. Um, so I'll touch on a few of these games a little more so than than I will any other ones. Now, on Friday, we had our first game, which was, of course, Paris against the San Francisco Shock. And one thing I just remembered is I should pull up my pickums and do the comparison. Oh boy, and the comparison does not look good. Okay, well, let's dive on in there. Our first match on Friday, July 2nd was the Paris Eternal taking on the San Francisco Shock. And as we all know from last week, I took some of that Paris Copium. I placed all my bets on Paris, thought they would do well this, this weekend. And, uh, well, we'll see. Uh... Uh, they kicked off the weekend with a loss against San Francisco. San Francisco took it 3-1, to one, and in my pickums, I had said Paris would take it 3-2. to two. So, great job there. Didn't get any points. Moving on from there, Friday, July 2nd, we then had our second game of the day with Washington taking on the Atlanta Reign. And I did actually give this to Washington. I thought it would be close, and I gave it to them in a 3-2 fashion, when in fact, Atlanta beat Washington 3-0. to zero. So... I started off the weekend with just a stellar performance. Absolutely stellar. And... <laughs> Sorry about that. Now, moving over to July 3rd, we're going to jump over to the Western... Uh, Western? Yes. Region. Nope. Nope. Eastern region. My bad. Where the Philadelphia Fusion were taking on the Guangzhou Charge. And once again, I got it big time wrong. Philly took it 3-0. and I predicted Guangzhou would take it 3-1. to I was wrong. After that, we had the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Seoul Dynasty. And once again, I was wrong, but I did at least get some points for getting the correct winner. I said Shanghai would take it 3-2. to Shanghai, in fact, took it 3-0. to I actually wouldn't mind. I might have to go back and watch some of these Seoul games because I am curious how Seoul is doing. And I'm hearing good things overall. I mean, obviously, Shanghai is a tough team to go against. Moving on from there... We go to the later-in-the-day Saturday games with the Paris Eternal taking on the Vancouver Titans, and I nailed this one with a 3-0 to zero win for the Paris Eternal. Moving on from there, the Dallas Fuel took on the Florida Mayhem. I did actually put this match on yesterday, I believe, and I overall was 
a little bit impressed. I was happy to see that Florida took Dallas to five maps. I was happy to see that, you know, ultimately Florida got some wins in there. But in a lot of ways, I think it was a little bit more on Dallas than it was Florida. Um, you know, Dallas continuing to show their dominance, Florida continuing to backslide. But ultimately, I think the wins that Florida got were a little bit more off the mistakes of Dallas than it was, you know, Florida's pure skill or anything like that. So a little bit disappointing to see. Ultimately, the score, I was glad to see Florida put up a pretty solid fight. But again, it's hard to really phrase it that way when it feels a lot more like uh, like it was Dallas's game. So anyways, uh, in my pickums, I said it would be 3-2 to two for Dallas. No, I said it would be 3-0 and oh for Dallas, and it was 3-2. to two. Moving on from there, Houston Outlaws against the San Francisco Shock. A much-anticipated match that this one I did put on yesterday, and I was pleased to see uh, Dallas, or not Dallas, sorry, Houston's performance, but at the same time cheering for San Francisco, so disappointed to see the result as Houston took it 3-1. to one. In my pickings, I said it would be 3-2. to two. I thought Shock could at least take them to 5, but those last couple of maps especially, Shock was looking like they were struggling. Um... I do like what San Francisco is doing. It seems like they are maybe tweaking things a little bit less, maybe making a little bit of the changes on the fly a little less, um, sticking with some of their choices a little more, and I do appreciate that, and I think it's going to work out for them. I just, uh, I, I just still don't know about San Francisco. Now, again, it's not all doom and gloom. They are sitting in third place currently with nine points ahead of the fourth place Los Angeles Gladiators with seven so they definitely still have a shot at, you know, making the finals and everything. But I want to see them start winning. I want to see my boy Twilight have a big impact. Now that they're playing Twilight and Violet kind of hand in hand, I really want to see Twilight step up. Um, well, and I mean, his performance has been excellent so far. Kind of think it's on some of the other parts of the team to step up. But I digress. Um, Houston took it 3-1. to one. Jumping back over to the Eastern region, the next games we had were the Seoul Dynasty taking the Guangzhou charge. Seoul took it 3-2. to two. And then final uh, Eastern match of the weekend was the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Philadelphia Fusion, and Shanghai took it 3-0. Surprise, surprise. Moving on from there, Sunday, July 4th continues with the Atlanta Rain taking on the Dallas Fuel, a rematch from the uh, 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 June Joust tournament, and the Atlanta Rain taking Dallas all the way to 5, and ultimately Dallas coming out on top with a record of 3-2. to two. And I actually, I did predict Dallas would win this. I thought they would win it more handily. Um, but ultimately, Dallas continuing to show their dominance. Um, however, I do feel a little bit like the gap is closing. I feel like there might be, there might be a chance for a couple of different teams to knock Dallas out of, uh, or at least knock them into the loser's bracket in the uh, summer showdown tournament. So we'll see how that pans out. Next up was the Vancouver Titans taking on the Houston Outlaws, and of course the Houston Outlaws coming out 3-0. And finally, the Washington Justice took on the Florida Mayhem for the final match of the weekend. And I hate to say it, but my pickums were correct. Washington takes it 3-0 in a disappointing loss for the Florida Mayhem. They extend their streak to seven losses in a row. Again, you know, a little bit of work to be done. Obviously, they had a temporary, well, I don't know about how temporary it is, but they had checkmate. Uh, stepping in on the main tank roll so obviously a pretty big swap to make um, and they obviously haven't been practicing with it for too long so ultimately you know frustrating for them I, I kind of feel like and this might be in my mind only 
Uh, Florida and Washington have a little bit of a rivalry this season. And I think that's because early on when Florida was looking good, Washington beat them. And then Florida came back and stomped them in a match you know, maybe the next week or shortly thereafter. And I believe that's actually what made it so Washington did not go to the May Melee uh, Finals Tournament. I could be wrong, but for some reason that's what I feel like. And so I see these two teams uh, butting heads, and I want Florida to win, but ultimately Washington came out on top. So there you have it. Now, again, I, I told you I wouldn't be able to go too much into any of those matches, just given I haven't watched most of them. So that's all there is to it. I think now it's time that we hop on over to and take a brief look at the IBM Power Rankings with Watson. There's no stopping me. All right. So as we jump on over to the IBM Power Rankings with Watson, let's take a look here. I'm going to full screen this bad boy. And where should we start? Let's start by looking at the tank roll, where we see our 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 looking a little bit like this. Hanbin with the Dallas Fuel, Fearless with the Dallas Fuel, Piggy with the Houston Outlaws, Void with the Shanghai Dragons, and Fate with the Shanghai Dragons again. I don't know that there's too much to say there. Um, a little bit of movement in that Void and Fate are jumping upwards quite a bit. Um, other than that, you know, a little bit of shuffling, plus 2, minus 2, plus 1, minus 1, that kind of thing. But again, top five, holding strong with a lot of Dallas, a lot of Shanghai, and a little bit of someone else. Moving on over to the damage roll. We see Sparkle with the Dallas Fuel, Lip with the Shanghai Dragons, Doha with the Dallas Fuel, Pelican with the Atlanta Rain, and Nero with the San Francisco Shock coming in at fifth place. So this one, a little bit more interesting. Again, a lot of Dallas Fuel, a little bit of Shanghai Dragons. Pelican on the Atlanta Rain. Atlanta looking good, um, you know. Obviously, coming off of what 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 was their record this past weekend? Coming off of a win against Washington and a tough loss against the Dallas Fuel, but a close one nonetheless. Um, Pelican looking like definitely a Rookie of the Year candidate. That's for sure. Um, guy is pretty cracked, and when he's left unchecked, he makes a big impact on the field. So, and then of course Nero in fifth place on the San Francisco Shock, moving up six positions. So good for him. Um, I do feel like a little bit of that comes from, in a lot of ways, San Francisco figuring things out. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, you know, San Francisco did have a loss this past weekend, but I do still think they're a good team and everything. Um, I just think that the other teams in the league maybe are a little more elevated or have stepped their game up a little bit more this uh, this season in particular, and that could be why they uh, they see some of that some of that strength uh, not not being such a large gap, I guess, between other teams and them. Moving on to support. We see Fielder with the Dallas Fuel in the first place position. We see Jexa with the Dallas Fuel in second. We see Shu with the Los Angeles Gladiators in third. Izayaki with the Shanghai Dragons in fourth. And Crimzo with the Houston Outlaws in fifth. So what's interesting about this is mostly Crimzo jumping up to fifth, moving up six slots. Um, so again, you know, coming off of Houston's uh, win this past weekend, which granted it was against the Vancouver Titans, so you expect to see that. But their more impactful win against the San Francisco Shock, of course, uh, definitely boosting some of these numbers for the Houston Outlaws as as they seem to be doing well. And, you know, who knows what will happen uh, going into the Summer Showdown qualifiers. So overall, let's look at the overall rankings for players where we will see 
just a ton of blue and black and red. So top five looks like this. Hanbin with the Dallas Fuel, Fearless with the Dallas Fuel, Sparkle with the Dallas Fuel, Lip with the Shanghai Dragons, and fifth place is Fielder with the Dallas Fuel. We then get a tiny splash of color with Piggy on the Houston Outlaws in sixth. Then we go Doha in seventh on the Dallas Fuel, Void in eighth with the Shanghai Dragons, Fate in ninth with the Shanghai Dragons, and Jexa in tenth with the Dallas Fuel. So again, keeping with the tradition of Dallas Fuel and Shanghai Dragons continue to dominate with just a little bit of someone else who's had some success creeping up in there. You know, it doesn't surprise me at all to see the Houston Outlaws up there. Wouldn't surprise me to see the Atlanta Rain creeping up there or the LA Gladiators really, um, given both of those teams are doing well as well. So so that's what our players player rankings look like. Now, one thing I do want to take a look at, I'm going to switch over to Hero. And we're going to go to Symmetra because Symmetra has been getting some serious playtime lately. And it has been a little bit surprising given we've never really seen a true Symmetra meta. Usually we see Symmetra pulled out at a spawn so that she can use her teleport and that's it. Or, or she gets played a little bit more than that for strategic positioning and things like that. But we're really seeing this kind of Symmetra meta develop where you have a Symmetra on your team and they're a key part of the team because of that teleport ability it just it deploys so quickly the team can get through it so really it kind of counters dive in a lot of ways because if you get dove on and you your symmetra is on point they can place that uh teleporter and they can zap themselves and most of the team right out of there pretty quickly um it also kind of uh gives just a lot of flexibility in moving around the map in that sense um you know, today on Plat Chat, I think it was Sideshow was talking about the fact, or no, it was actually, it was Avast talking about the fact that the Symmetra teleport meta is a little bit janky because it, it kind of negates a number of heroes' ultimate abilities very, very quickly. So, um, you know, for example, uh, I think the example that Avast used was someone like May. You throw it on Blizzard, as long as you're near your Symmetra, they throw up the TP, the whole team gets out of there, your Blizzard is wasted. Um, you know, you could definitely see something similar with something like a Reaper Death Blossom. You know, uh, Death Blossom, I think, deals, well, definitely deals damage, whereas uh, Blizzard is a crowd control ability. So Death Blossom may destroy the, the teleporter before the team is able to get through it. But even still, you're probably going to have some people who are able to get out of it pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a number of, of ults like that that are just more easily avoidable thanks to the teleport and the teleport being so strong right now. So it has been interesting to see. Now, if I look at the top 10 players here on Symmetra, we do see a Vancouver Titan sneaking on there. But number one is Sparkle with the Dallas Fuel. Number two is Happy with the Houston Outlaws. Three is Glister with San Francisco Shock. Number four is Onigod, actually, with the Paris Eternal. And number five is Fitz with the Soul Dynasty. So a bit of an interesting mix there and, and a large spread between Sparkle with 93 points and then Fitz with 73 down in, in fifth place. But ultimately, cool and interesting stuff. So if we look at the overall power rankings again, uh, not a ton has changed since we last looked, and it has been a couple weeks now, actually. Dallas Fuel holding strong in first place, Shanghai Dragons holding strong in second place, Atlanta Rain holding strong in third place, and Los Angeles Gladiators holding strong in fourth place. Now the Houston Outlaws coming off their wins are, have moved up a spot into fifth. The San Francisco Shock coming off a win and a loss are moving down to sixth. The Washington Justice, similar story to Houston, are moving up one slot to seven, and the Seoul Dynasty are moving down a slot to eight. Other than that, the only real movement we see 
is the Paris Eternal on a bit of a winning streak. And so they've actually moved up three positions, bumping down the Chengdu Hunters, the Toronto Defiant, and the Florida Mayhem. So interesting to see that coming. Um, I suppose if I were to look at the overall standings, uh, let's go for 2021 regular season. In the West right now, what's really interesting is that we actually see Paris in 7th and Atlanta in 8th. Now, Paris has a 6-6 six and six record, Atlanta has 5-5, five and five, so obviously less games played for uh, the Atlanta Reign. Um, and then Boston is actually in ninth with a, the same record as Atlanta. They're, they've got a 5-5 five, five win-loss. So the spread here is actually just incredibly small. Um, you know, it, it, I would personally love to see Paris get a couple more wins under their belt and and really move up into maybe that top five position um ultimately at that point you are relying on teams like washington and toronto getting some losses and paris getting wins but even still paris man i'm a fan now and and what a turnaround uh season that would be for them so so anyways there you have it that's your ibm power rankings with ibm's watson exciting stuff and I think now we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll move on over to my pickums for the upcoming weekend in the Overwatch League. Excuse me for dropping in. All right, so let's pull up our pickums. Oh, did I close my window? I must have. Hold on one second. All right, I have got it up here. So first things first, we're going to look at, you know what, let's do the Eastern region first because that's usually the quicker, easier, dirtier one for me, given I don't watch too many of their matches. But let's see here. We've got at 2 a.m. on Friday, July 9th, the Hangzhou Spark taking on the New York Excelsior. Hangzhou is going to take that in a fashion that looks similar to a 3-1 to record, I'm going to say. After that, 3.30 a.m., the Chengdu Hunters take on the Philadelphia Fusion. I've lost all faith in Chengdu, and I'm going to say Philly takes it 3-0. And then the Shanghai Dragons take on the Los Angeles Valiant, and that's going to be a 3-0, no question. Jumping over to Saturday, July 10th, we see the New York Excelsior taking on the Philadelphia Fusion. And I'm going to put my eggs on in Philly's basket, and I'm going to say they take it 3, but I'm going to give New York one map. Moving on from there at 3.30 a.m. on July 10th, uh, of course, that's Pacific time. The Los Angeles Valiant take on the Chengdu Hunters. And you know what? Chengdu will come out on top of that one. Oof. Will LA get another map? That could be interesting. That could be interesting. Um, what I'm checking here, I'm going to check the standings because I'm curious if the Los Angeles Valiant... Oh my gosh, their record is just painful. <laughs> they've taken two maps it looks like they have two map wins 30 losses and one tie oh that's harsh man i mean the vancouver titans have five map wins 36 losses and zero ties so you know take what you will there but i digress i'm gonna say chengdu takes it three to zero Finally, these Shanghai Dragons take on the Hangzhou Spark, and I think honestly, Shang Shanghai is on a tear right now. I think they're they're going to be, I think they're going to have a couple of three and O's this weekend. Honestly, Hangzhou could take a map off them, but I'm going to give it to Shanghai three and O. So now I've saved those predictions, and I'm going to scroll on back up, and now we are going to look at the Western region. So 
on Thursday, July 8th, we have the Atlanta Rain taking on the London Spitfire. Atlanta looking good these days. London looking better than they have been. But ultimately, I think Atlanta is going to take it. 3-0. and Downwards from there, the Boston Uprising take on the Houston Outlaws. And Houston's going to win this one. But will Boston get a map? Will Boston get a map? Boston currently sits in ninth place with a 5-5 five and five record. And Houston is in second. I think I'm going to give it to Houston. I think it's going to be a 3-0. Might be a bit of a challenging one for Houston. Not, not challenging for Houston, but might be a hard-fought battle, I'll say, for Boston. But I think Houston's going to take it 3-0. Moving on from there, Washington Justice take on the London Spitfire. They're going to take that in a 3-0 fashion. Then at 1.30 p.m. on Friday, July 9th. Oh, this is the knockout. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. No Sunday games is what that means. Um, Knockout Sunday. There it is. Okay, okay. I did not realize that, but oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, so 1.30 p.m. Pacific time on Friday, July 9th. The Los Angeles Gladiators take on the Toronto Defiant. I think LA is going to take it three. I think Toronto is going to get at least one map. Will they get two? Yeah, I'll give it to the. I'll, I'll give it three and one. Then at three p.m. on Friday, ooh, that's going to be an exciting match. Oh, uh, we have the Houston Outlaws taking on the Dallas Fuel, and this is of course their homestand match, where uh, I believe Dallas is having a live event, although Houston will not be there. Um, Dallas is allowing whatever it is a certain capacity in their stadium and everything. The, the the guys will be on stage and everything. So that should be a really exciting one. And who do I think is going to win? I mean, you got to wonder what the pressure of the crowd and everything is going to do to Dallas because that certainly is not an easy task. Um, you know, you know, you know, you know. I think I'm going to... I'm going to stick with the Dallas Fuel, but I think it's going to go five. And it's going to be either it's going to go five or it's going to be a steamroll. Dallas is just going to come up with something and counter Houston or vice versa. Honestly, I could see it either being three and oh in favor of either team or it'll go to five. And I think Dallas will win given their uh, given their record thus far. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. Moving on to Saturday, July 10th, the Atlanta Rain take on the Boston Uprising. I'll say Atlanta takes it three, and I'll say Boston gets a map off them. No, let's give Boston two. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt there. Say Boston takes them to five. After that, the Toronto Defiant then take on the Dallas Fuel, and I think, again, Dallas is going to take it three. I'll give Toronto a map again. Uh, Toronto not going to have a great weekend, but ultimately I think they'll get a couple of maps. Then finally, we have the Washington Justice taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. This one's a bit of personal preference. I'm going to say the Glads take it 3-1. to one. So let's save in those predictions here. Oh, it is saving. My bad. Don't click twice or it's going to get all confused and lose all my preds. I'm just going to wait for it to finish, 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 finish. There it goes. It's saved. And now let's scroll on down to Knockout Sunday. Oh. Oh, I can't. Oh, wait, June 6th. Ah, okay, never mind. I lied. I lied, I lied, I lied, I lied. Okay, so that's it for your Summer Showdown picks. Now, I'm just going to check here. If we go to 13, is that is that all correct? Saturday, Sunday? Ah, yes. Okay, so then the, the pickums for Sunday have not unlocked yet. Um, but ultimately, it will be picking who plays and who or who wins 
Oh my gosh, those matches on Sunday, which will certainly be an exciting time. So that's it for my pickums. So without further ado, let's close out the show. Thank you. All right, so thank you very much for listening to episode 48 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. And you can follow me on all socials, but especially please do follow me on Twitter and reach out to me there if you have something you'd like me to talk about on the show or questions or anything of the like. I am happy to engage on Twitter and then bring it to the show. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. Once again, that was episode 48 of One Man Watchpoint. You can find us everywhere, so go do it. Go tell your friends. And of course, as always, thanks very much for listening.